water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Sunday, February 28th. And the Oscars are tonight. Cody, who do you have winning? Uh, hopefully Leo. I think he's due. Yeah, you know, I really don't care. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, we were going to spend like 10 minutes there. Okay. Uh, tomorrow is Leap Day. Very exciting day. It only comes once every four years, but is also the first day of spring football practice. We've been waiting a very long one and a half months for this since the last time we saw the Tigers get on the field. So we're really excited about that. Um, less excited about the fact that Donald Trump won the South Carolina Republican primary. The Gamecocks, womp, womp. <laughs> Gamecocks must have been out in full force at the polls there. Um, <laughs> and Clemson basketball is flopping harder than Tyler Hansbro. Um, so here we are. Um, we're suffering through the dog days of winter here. This is Ben and Cody back with you for another podcast episode. Uh, just a side note here before we get started. Uh, we're going to continue to bring you new episodes uh, throughout the football offseason covering topics such as basketball and baseball, among other things. Um, but we will be cutting back our schedule to about two to three times a month, plus try to get some interviews in there for you guys. Um, but we still hope to bring you some good content to get you through to next football season. Um, so that being said, uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about 2017 football recruiting and the NFL Combine, which is going on right now. Um, as we mentioned, Clemson basketball and Clemson baseball as we start the Monty Lee era at Clemson. Uh, but first, uh, Cody, you wanted to talk a little bit about the Golden State Warriors. Uh, why should Clemson fans care about them? Good question. I think any sports fan, and even a casual fan, should care about the Warriors and what they're doing right now. I think with Steph Curry, there's a ton of likability there. Like Everyone loves Steph Curry, rightfully so. Um, what I would say, though, is like my girlfriend, who doesn't care about sports, uh, can watch Steph Curry, and it is so entertaining so but just in terms of like a basketball on on like a scale of good basketball I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime and you can compare it to the Bulls run and uh, and I'm not saying their team is as good as the Bulls Um, frankly they they could be as good they could be better but what I'm saying is just the level of play the passing that goes on everything that anyone that doesn't like the NBA that's complained about probably for like the last 20 years uh, you know the the it's uh, it's a me league. Um, well, the Warriors completely go against that. They're very unselfish, no ego, unbelievable like fundamentals, shooting, um, and just like again likable people. So yeah, if you're not watching the Golden State Warriors, um, if they're on the if they're on TNT, if they're on ABC or ESPN, you need to make that like appointment viewing from here on out. And a bit of a disclaimer here: we do live out in the San Francisco area, so. Um... Yeah, there is a little bit more interest generated just from us being here, but yeah, they are a phenomenal team to watch. You know, I, I think a lot of a lot of Clemson fans uh, and people that I grew up with in South Carolina, you don't really have a strong tie to any NBA team. You know, the Atlanta Hawks were never really that good. The Charlotte Hornets, um, you know, they were they had a couple good seasons there for a while. They had what Muggsy Bogues and. And they left, uh, but they ended up Alonzo leaving. Morning. Yeah, and they ended up leaving, and now they're yeah. back as the... Maybe, are they the Hornets again, maybe? They are, yeah. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. They're not any good. So, <laughs> you know, there's there was nothing really in the South growing up in South Carolina to tie yourself to an NBA team. So I, I never really got into the NBA that much. Of course, I like Michael Jordan. And just being a huge sports fan, I follow most sports, everything, but really hockey. Um, but, yeah, what the Golden State Warriors are doing. I mean, Steph Curry, every time the ball, like is in his hands. Something magical is going to happen. You saw that game last night of how they, they ended up uh, beating the Oklahoma City Thunder in overtime. The Thunder, which controlled the game the entire time, and then Steph Curry just with a dagger in the heart with that three-pointer from about, I don't know, they said it was 31 feet. It looked like 40 feet to me uh, away from the rim. But, yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, I, I think this is a once-in-a-lifetime well, maybe not once in a lifetime type of thing, but maybe a once in a generation type of thing. Of seeing a basketball team that's just playing this good. I mean, again, it hasn't been there hasn't been a team this dominant since uh, the Bulls, and I think it was maybe the '96 season where they went 72 and 10. Right, '96, and yeah, it's not it's not all predicated on the. Well, I, I could I could say that it is like whereas MJ was just you know in and of himself something to to watch. Steph Curry is on that same level, but more so the the team, the way that they operate together is what is so 
brilliant. And if you like basketball, and I, I feel like a lot of Clemson fans tend to, you know, gravitate more towards college, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons, like some of the reasons you mentioned. But if you just love basketball in its purest form, then the Warriors, uh, it's it's just unbelievable what they're doing right now. Yeah, you know, I, I and Steph Curry went to Davidson of all places, right? And went to Davidson. It makes makes you think, why can't Clemson get a guy like that? They could have gotten a guy <laughs> like that. Best player. I mean, would you say that Steph Curry has taken over for LeBron James as the best player in the NBA? Yeah, and you know, I'm a big LeBron guy. And I've always have been, but yeah, I think he's statistically and just by every measure, uh, per and, and all the efficiency and, and things like that. He's he is the best player in the league and unbelievable to watch and and by the way the best shooter of all time by just about any measure statistical and the eye test everything he is the best shooter of all time yeah it's absolutely amazing to watch um so yeah you know of course again us being out here in san francisco we're going to keep a close eye on them moving forward it's it's exciting it's exciting to be energized about another sport uh, especially during the football off season that you're usually not that uh, into right, it's a it's a bit of a lull, and I don't want to take anything away from the beginning of baseball or the tail end of a basketball here, but it's kind of a slow time for a football centric school. I'm sure I'll start to get tired of it uh, though as the two month long NBA playoff <laughs> process starts to play out, but we'll see how that goes. So, anyways, let's get back to talking about Clemson athletics. Um, so, as we mentioned, spring practice is starting up tomorrow. Man, Cody, like it, it seems like we, we were just playing football. You know, We had the national championship game, which took us halfway into January, and then you have National Signing Day right at the beginning of February, and you, you know, blink twice, and before you know it, we're back playing football again. I love it. I, I, I wish, I mean, Ben Bulware and his shoulder, you know, go to show you can't stand up for uh, too much football, um, but I, I wish they could play year-round. But no, I think it's great. It gives us more to talk about, things to look at, a lot of exciting things on the depth chart, incoming freshmen, which we'll get into in just a second. But no, dude, let's let's have football year round. And then, of course, increments of basketball and baseball to kind of tie us over. Yeah, and I, I have some confidence in saying that, that likely this year we're actually going to get a decent recording of the spring game. So that's something to look forward to. I think there's going to be a lot of hype around this Clemson football program during this during the spring. I think what I've noticed on ESPN, a lot of, like on the football homepage, a lot of features on Clemson. So, I mean, it's in their best interest, right? They have yeah. a financial incentive to, 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 to put Clemson on a platform because they have a good chance to make it to the playoff. They will get, yeah, you're right. They'll get a ton of hype. And I think we're, no shaky cam this year for the spring game. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, we, we've arrived. Uh, you know, we're one of the major players in college football. We have a likable, if not controversial, coach that is going to create a lot of chatter and keep people interested. We have uh, what I believe to be the best player in college football in Deshaun Watson, uh, one of the best coordinators in college football in Britton Venables. And, you know, we're going to have a strong defense next year, and we're going to have a very, very dynamic offense. Think of all the, the embarrassment of riches we have at the wide receiver position. Mike Williams coming back. Think about what we could have done with him if he was on the team uh, for more than one drive last year. So a lot, a lot to look forward to. And it does not surprise me at all that ESPN is going to be jumping on uh, the bandwagon, so to speak, here. And we can expect to see a lot of coverage of Clemson football moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And with yeah, you're right, Deshaun Watson, I think it's going to be both Clemson football, but also a lot of branding for Deshaun uh, because great chance of winning the Heisman. Absolutely. So, in, interesting you mentioned uh, winning the Heisman there. I saw an article of comments by David Hale, um, I think it was earlier this week, maybe last week, of him mentioning that uh, because Deshaun Watson has set the bar so high for himself, it may be harder for him to win the Heisman Trophy, which is a lot of BS to me. Because, what I mean, it's, it, will it not be good enough that he's better than everybody else? He has to be better than better than everybody else? Well... I think his argument, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I think he's just saying, look, he, and he looked at uh, historical comps in that article, and, and it was kind of surprising. I, and I don't know, I, you set the bar, the bar higher for yourself, then you have that much more to live up to. But in Deshaun's case, what he has going for him, this is his first spring of being healthy. So he's got, you know, he's going to get to play with, you know, get reps in with Mike Williams and his receivers. He's and, not going to play in a better offensive line, but he's not going to play a lot this spring, though. Would Would you be surprised if he doesn't step foot on the field during the spring game? No, I, he probably won't. He might get one series, which well, which is fine. But he'll get the reps and he'll get the off season conditioning, the weight room, 
um, and you know the reps of working with those receivers. Well, because you think about the quarterbacks that we have, you know, you know Kelly Bryant and Tucker Israel, obviously going to want to see a lot out of them, and then Nick Schusler is is going to get his time. So yeah, I mean, I it wouldn't surprise me to, to even not see Deshaun out there at all um, during the spring game. I mean, why risk uh, injury? I, obviously, I know he's not going to be getting hit. But, you know, still, leg injuries, anything like that, any, anything's possible, so wouldn't surprise me. In any case, really looking forward to it. We'll see how spring practice uh, starts to unfold. There will always be a lot of storylines coming out of it leading up to the spring game. Uh, so, again, a lot to look forward to here with only, a, you know, really a month and a half of dead time so far since our last game, uh, as far as football is concerned. Um, in that time, though, we did have recruiting. Uh, so we talked heavily about the 2016 recruiting, and now we're kind of turning our focus to 2017. We already have some big name commits uh, on board. Um, ones that have come on since National Siding Day have been four-star wide receiver Mari Rogers and four-star cornerback Lee Anthony Williams Jr. Um, and now we're in the mix for some other four-star wide receivers and James Robinson and T. Higgins, um, which, Cody, you think could be a better class than uh, Sammy Tavis, Peak and Humphreys. Yeah, well, let's let's say first off, we don't know that uh, we're going to get T. Higgins or James Robinson, both by different services are rated as a five-star and probably the best two receivers overall in the class. Um, we do have Amari Rogers on board, which is great. He, um, a quick bit on him, you know, he serves that function. He's he's not like a top 100 guy. I mean, he might be that have that talent, but right now he's out of the top 100. But he's exactly what we want in terms of need. Um, he fits that Artavis Scott exactly. Um, who else? Uh, Ray Ray McLeod. He, he falls into that role and um, exactly what we wanted. Um, so he gives us that that dynamic. But yeah, you look at T. Higgins. If we're able to land this guy along with James Robinson, and yeah, that I had to think that rivals Sammy Watkins, Martavis Bryant, Sharon Peak, and, and Humphreys is as maybe even be could be better. Obviously, the the production on the field will ultimately decide that. But if if I think we're in good standing for uh, for James Robinson and then T. Higgins, it's kind of up in the air. But I mean. It's looking pretty good. And we're going into Tennessee, of all, all places in this cycle, and taking some big-name commits. Or yeah, big-name guys, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I really love how this coaching staff really you know, cast a wide net. Um, and they're not afraid, obviously, uh, to go out of their comfort zone in the south and south state of South Carolina. You know, we go into Georgia, we go into Florida, and now we see ourselves expanding into Tennessee and even in the northeast to really uh, – to land some big-time recruits. I mean, heck, we got the two best players in the state of Kansas during the 2016 recruiting cycle. So the the, the ability of this coaching staff to really stretch the boundaries um, without having to set up camps in Florida like Jim Harbaugh does or going out in sleepovers. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it, yeah, it's really it's, it's um, a big compliment to them and what they're able to do. It's a huge testament to their abilities to recruit, and it's one of the main reasons that Clemson has become such a powerhouse in college football. Yeah, and it, it, each position group, you know, it, it's not it's not all the same across the board. We're, we're, we're getting better on the offensive line. We've seen that uh, defensive line's becoming a point of strength where we're getting some higher-profile guys. Um, but somewhere where we've, where we've always done well is wide receiver, and it's it's we're we're probably you know the best. Uh, best at that position from recruiting and that that stems from you know Dabo being a wide receivers coach and and then obviously still having that that good salesmanship but yeah we're we're getting the the cream of the crop and um maybe turning it over to the secondary Lee Anthony Williams this is uh I you know the the great thing about the 2016 class was finishing strong with those guys in the secondary but looking at we 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 potentially you know we could have missed out on all the, the three guys that we got there at the end Simmons uh, Wallace and and uh, Trayvon Mullen, and that would have put us in a position where we'd have to hit a home run for this cycle. But we are in great standing with a number of uh, number of top 100 guys. Um, you know, Tank Robinson, an in-state safety, Devin Hunter, uh, top 100 safety from from Virginia, uh, Jameis w- uh, Williams. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's out of Georgia. Uh, he's not a top 100 guy, but I love. He looks like the Honey Badger. Love this guy. Love his film. Um, Deion Jones is another quarterback. Uh, that we're, we're that's very high on Clemson, so just a number of guys. And I think it's very important that we hit a few home runs uh, from like a from guys that are both really good, but guys that can make an instant impact. And I, I think we're we're in good standing with a lot of a lot of guys there in the secondary. Yeah, you know, it's it's one thing you can just look at our needs uh, right now going into spring practice, not knowing who's going to emerge. 
But history has, has shown us that we're also going to lose some guys along the way here coming out of spring practice going into next year. Some guys are going to start to realize their kind of standing in the depth chart, and, and we're likely to lose guys at, at several positions. I mean, it's historically happened. Um, you know, we're not going to – I don't want to get into uh, uh, making predictions right now of who those people are going to be because obviously I want all of them to remain Clemson Tigers. Uh, but, you know, you, you take the needs that we have now and know that they're, they're going to be more enhanced, I guess, right? Uh, those needs are going to get bigger in some areas of this football team. Right. I mean, I, I think with you have a, a few guys right now in the, in the secondary. It's kind of like it's make or break, like, you know, crap or get off the pot, right? Um, it, we need, but we need that. We need, it, we need to have – right now we're working with Tank and, and Mark Fields and Adrian Baker as our three primary cornerbacks. We need to, at least one more guy to step in and, uh, and feel comfortable that we, you know, we, we can go to work with him. Um, I think – I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit iffy on Mullen um, and, and Wallace and their ability to be, be instant impact guys. So you're right. Like It's it, a hard position to, to just be able to come in as a true freshman and be able to defend um, you know, all ACC, All-American wide receivers that you're going to go up against when you're playing at Clemson. Right. And, I mean, frankly, the coaching on a high school level, like the, they don't come in as refined cornerbacks. They, they, they're athletes. They play the receiver position, running back. Uh, they, they do uh, punt returns and kickoff returns, and they, you know, they're just kind of free-roaming safeties, and a lot of them don't get to really have that amazing form that McKenzie Alexander uh, came in and, and that you know, skill set. So, yeah, but you, you probably will see, see some attrition. The thing that I hope the most, though, is a couple guys will emerge from the upper class. Uh, and that's yeah. kind of the beauty um, of how things have been going recently. I mean, we're we're consistently building depth. You know, our we're no longer bringing in like four star and three star guys. We're bringing in five star and four star guys. So that depth and those guys that you are waiting to emerge, they already came in as more highly touted players. So there are going to be some diamonds in the roughs, like Kevin Dodd. Nobody expected a lot out of him, and now look at him. Um, and we'll shift our our focus here to the NFL Combine here in a second, but. You know, he came out of nowhere to be a possible first-round pick. So we're going to find other guys like that uh, buried deep uh, within the depth chart just because we have been recruiting so well. Well, that's the part of it is you, when you cast a wide net with four stars, it, it, it helps to mitigate risk. If you're, if you're pulling in a bunch of three stars and you're hoping they perform like five stars, you're, you're going to set yourself up for failure. But you cast a wide net, yeah, you're going to miss on a few, but you're also going to hit on a guy like Kevin Dodd who emerges late in his career. So, no, I, I, I'm with you. It, not all these guys will be all ACC, All-Americans, but puts us in a great position. And, uh, again, keep an eye out on those second in the secondary for 2017. It's looking really good. One area that I am concerned about is defensive end. Uh, Cracking Tiger wrote an article on STS recently about uh, how the depth chart's shaking out for 2016 um, and really the need probably to – what we should have done is brought in two defensive ends in this last cycle. Xavier Kelly, he's going to hit the two deep as a true freshman. Not sure if he's ready. He probably could use a little fine-tuning. But you got guys that are very inexperienced. So um, you're talking about Austin Bryant. He, he, he got more reps than anyone, looked good. Richard Juergen uh, didn't get a whole lot of playing time, but um, you know, looks like he's going to be a serviceable guy. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, who Brent Venables loves this guy. He could be the, the most talented guy on the roster from you know, as a defensive end, but he hasn't played in two years. So some concerns there. So what that means for 2017 is we need to hit home runs, if not grand slams, with at least one or two of these guys, you know, guys that can hit the ground running from day one, instant impact guys. It also means let's pay really close attention uh, to this spring game because that's when a lot of these guys who maybe haven't played a lot in a while, the Austin Bryants, the Pharrells, um, they were really going to uh, be able to see with Jurgen what they're made of um, and how they stack up against what's going to be an actually a very formidable offensive line in this spring game. Good point. With a lot of guys returning. Um, so shifting our focus now, um, uh, we, we talked about the guys coming in. Let's talk about the guys that are leaving. Um, NFL Combine's been going on. Some kind of exciting things coming out of that. Uh, Shaq Lawson's looked really good. Sharon Peak with a pretty good 40-time. Uh, Cody Who's uh who's turning heads? I think Jerron Peak. It's so surprising, you know. We were, uh, we'll say I was a little critical on him. I think a lot of Clemson fans were at the early part of the year just because he didn't show that aggressiveness to go high point the ball. But man, he he is a he's a combine stud, and I'm not saying that that won't translate because I, I think he has a a very uh, nice outlook going in, into the pros. I don't know. He's projected as a potential starter, NFL starter. 
And I mean, I, I could see that. It, what, I think it's just we've gotten so used to seeing guys like Sammy Watkins, Duke Hopkins, uh, even Martavis Bryant that, you know, Sharon Peak wasn't the, the, you know, he wasn't a premier wide receiver that we've seen recently. But Well, he's dealt with so many injuries. And I mentioned this several times over the course of the season. I was like, don't count this guy out, especially when he got off to a slow start because he hadn't played a lot of football, to be honest with you. Uh, he had played enough football, though. I mean, I, I agree. He had some inj- injuries that held him back. But at that point in the season, I think he just wasn't – it didn't click for whatever reason. Like, right. hey, you were the guy. But, you know, to his credit, by the end of the year, he, he, it did click, and he had a hell of a game against Alabama. So so you match that up. If he's able to still stay healthy, and then you have his, his natural athletic ability, combine that with some NFL coaching. I mean, listen, uh, NFL teams go deep on the wide receiving cores. A lot of guys get in the football game. So, yeah, I could I see a, a future for him in the NFL. It may not be in a sustained starting role over a 10-year period, but, you know, he could, you know, make a dent in, in there for, you know, five or six years and, and have a good showing. He'll, he'll end up on, I could see him end up, end up on a fantasy team here in the next three years, which is pretty exciting, uh, you know, to add to the stable of, at wide receiver you here. Well, there's your uh, uh, fantasy uh, insight there from Cody Fowler. <laughs> uh, look out for Sharon Peak to be on your radar within the next three years. Um, you know, Clemson wide receivers have uh, been turning up some good numbers uh, there in fantasy. So uh, maybe a guy that's uh, under the radar. Um, so who else? You know, Mackenzie Alexander, he obviously got hurt uh, coming into the national championship game, did not play much of that game at all. He's still battling with a hamstring injury. So not a lot to show uh, on the field here at the combine. He's going to save all that for his uh, pro day. Uh, but he's been doing some talking. A lot of talking. I- and man, he's good. He didn't. He didn't really do this at Clemson. He was. He's a little bit more. Uh, he's. He was quiet. He let his play and do the talking. Whenever he did get the mic, though, I mean, he was. You. You did get a little bit of swag, or you can call it arrogance. You can call it cockiness. Whatever you want to call it. But um, I think in terms of like a cornerback in the NFL to have that type of confidence, I, I think it, it. It. It's very common and it translates well. I mean, I'm. I'm I want my cornerback to have that. I'm going to shut you down mentality. One area of concern, though, and this is out of his control, it's his size. He is a little bit smaller um, going up against some of these bigger guys. He's like 5'10". Uh, I don't think – yeah, he's injured. I don't think he's going to, you know, drop any, any – uh, or he's not – his 40 times probably not going to be in the 4'4". Four I, don't, I don't know if he has that kind of top-end speed. So that could potentially hold him back. But, I mean, I think you're looking at another guy late first round, probably early second round. Uh, listen, we'll see how he uh, performs in his pro day. But his play on the field – uh, speaks for itself. Uh, and you go and look at all the stats about the percentage of passes that were actually completed against him. It's so incredibly low. And and to be honest with you, I mean, teams just didn't throw his way a lot because they were scared to because he is that good of a cornerback. I still expect him, unless something comes out of his pro day or injury concerns or whatever, uh, I still expect him to be a first-round pick. I mean, and I do believe when he says it, he's the best cornerback in the draft. I fully believe that. I hope that's the case. I know there's some good ones this year, but I mean, he's he's yeah he's very good. If another part too that I, I mentioned he could work on was his ball skills. He didn't have one interception. A lot of that's because he didn't have a lot of opportunity, and that's fair. But part of it is too like a lot of times he doesn't have that great um, kind of the wherewithal or the uh, the awareness I should say to to make that interception. He's he's a little bit locked in on his guy. Um, another couple other guys that I think, in my opinion, are solidifying first-round status, uh, first-round picks, is, is, are Lawson and Dodd at defensive end. Um, one of the knocks on Lawson is, is his measurables. He doesn't have elite speed. He doesn't have uh, elite size, which is true. He's not, you know, he's not a, he's, you know, I guess what's the word? He's fair in terms of his size. But he did run a four-seven-three-forty, which was I think was fourth among all defensive linemen, which surprised me. And I think that that alone will get him into the first round if, if there were any doubts. Well, even Dodd clocking in at a four eight six, that's not too shabby. Yeah, and he'll be there at the at the strong side. I think the biggest thing for him is the thirty four inch arms, six five frame, ten inch hands. Yeah, I, I think that alone, just measuring out like that, will help him propel him to that first round status as well. So it, you know, we talk about it's not just this year, but it was last year too about all these guys uh, performing uh, and showing out for Clemson in the NFL Combine. You know, there was a point in time uh, with Batson as our strength and condi- conditioning coach. He was taking a lot of heat, people questioning his program uh, and questioning Clemson football being too soft. And now we see Clemson really 
uh, maturing into a very dominant team, a, a team that's dominant in the trenches, and we're producing NFL level talent like coming out the woodworks and, and these guys are built and they're strong and they're sturdy and they're durable what does this say about our strength and conditioning program I, it says and what's interesting is tiger illustrated i think it was larry williams could have been someone else but those guys wrote about the improvement in strength and conditioning is heavy heavily correlated or the, the reason behind it is because the guys that we're bringing in now are five-star talent you're seeing guys like Stefan Anthony, who just show, you know he showed out last year. Shaq uh, Lawson this year. I mean, Vic Beasley. Just these guys that are really good players. And the the more talent you give a strength and conditioning coach, you give any coach, the better they look. And I think that's why they that we kind of you know place some of the blame, maybe the scapegoat on the strength and conditioning coach, uh, Batson. You know, in years past, but really. You get him. You get him the right guys. He'll do great things, and he's proven that now. Yeah. Once you start recruiting better, right? <laughs> you you give him that that good clay to mold. Right. Um, you know he's he's turning these guys into really good football players, and now we're getting guys come in that are already in great shape and really good football players. So really excited to see uh, what we're going to be able to do with them uh, moving forward. Again, bright future for Clemson football, and things are really going well right now. It's it's just a great time to be a Clemson Tiger football fan. Yeah, I think part of one other point about bats and part of uh, seeing the improved results is it's also a thing of character and commitment. I mean, you recruit these type of guys, not just talented, but you have that same character and commitment uh, that Dabo Sweeney looks for. And yeah, generally these guys are going to be in the, in the weight room working out and, and, you know, honing their craft, perfecting it. So yeah, it's, it's no surprise. Yeah. And it's, it's, it makes it so much better to watch NFL on Sundays when you can, you can key in on a few Clemson guys Absolutely, but now they're like stretching. So you know they're they're all over the league now. I can't like focus on one or two teams. I'm having to read the box score of every single game to see what Clemson guys are doing. The great thing about wide receiver U is I can draft these guys on a fantasy team and then root for them, and you know they can put up points for you. That's the nice thing. And the problem with them end up uh, being high draft picks is uh, they end up going to the teams like uh, possibly the Browns or somebody like that who are forever terrible teams. That's the thing that worries me the most about Deshaun Watson coming out next year and being the best quarterback in the draft. Who's he going to fall to? I hope he doesn't fall to a team like the Browns. Um, but it's going to be a bad team. Hopefully it's a team that doesn't have a history of just being terrible all the time. But, you know, that's that's the risk, right? It's true. I mean, what, what can you do, you know? Hopefully, more so than like a bad organization, hopefully a good offensive line. That's And you don't, yeah. and you don't tank your season just so you hope you don't, you know, you, you go in the top of the first round versus the bottom of the first round. Um, you, you're going to play all out and... Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. It's kind of like with Nuke Hopkins or the Texans. Um, they're not a great team. They're not projected to be a great team. They still don't have a quarterback, but he's still doing really well there. Right. And wish I wish Sammy Watkins could be in a sim- similar situation. You know, not a great quarterback in either Buffalo or Houston, but at least they make a commitment to getting him the ball. And they yeah. haven't done that in Buffalo, which is unfortunate because I think Sammy is as, is as talented as anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was one of the best uh, receivers ever, you know, put on a Clemson uniform. Um, it would be nice, and, and Spiller kind of had the same problem when he was there in Buffalo. So, you know, right, know. Buffalo, please stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we know. We <laughs> please stop drafting Clemson players. You know, Rex, I know your son plays at Clemson, but come on, man. Um, <laughs> stick to defense. Good yeah, drafting, you, you, I guess. You just draft defensive guys. That's fine. Um, okay, so that's that's enough football for now. You know, obviously really excited about it. Uh, let's switch over to Clemson basketball. You know, there was a point in the season, and it was uh, leaving out-of-conference play, where I thought we were dead in the water. I thought there was no hope left for this season. A lot of people thought it was going to be a struggle to, to f- finish anywhere close to the middle of the pack in the ACC. It was very likely um, that we'd finish more towards the bottom. Got into ACC play. We started off 5-1. and one. Hopes got really high. We thought that an NCAA tournament Earth was really within our grasp, but now, you know, we've been slipping. We're 16 and 12 on the year. We're nine and seven in the ACC, which is still a good record. But considering what you did in the outer conference schedule, uh, you know that that ACC record is going to be a not a lot better than it normally has to be to get us in the tournament. We're tied seventh in the ACC. Again, I mentioned we started five and one in conference with the only loss at North Carolina, which was a close loss. Uh, we kind of we split the next four after going five and one. We were still sitting nice at seven and three, but now over our last six games, we are two and four. Cody, what happened? 
a number of things, but uh, I mean, inconsistency, and most recently in the Georgia Tech game. Um, what, it, what it appears to me is, first of all, Blossom game, the way he's played is like, you know, I, I'll talk about it later, but I, I've really kind of changed my tune on his upside from like a long-term trajectory in F, or NBA uh, in his pro, you know, outlook. But he's really just become the, you know, the guy that, that moves the needle for the team. But he has very little help. Jordan Roper sometimes can be a really good player as his sidekick. But where was he? I think he went scoreless against Georgia Tech. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah. You know, he has been very inconsistent all year long. I think his assist to turnover ratio is really good. Um, outside of that, we just really can't we can't bank in, on his scoring ability. He is going to have games where he scores twenty, but then he's going to have games where he just doesn't show up in the box score. So you're right. This is Blossom game is not going to be able to continue to carry this team, and it's shown in the in the very fact that we're losing on the road. Yes, which is always a thing that's hard to do in the ACC is win on the road, but we're losing against really bad teams on the road. Right, and just because it, yeah, the road games they're always going to be tough, but you shouldn't be losing some of these games. You should we should have pulled that against NC State, even though they they came out to play. And Georgia Tech, we were up by 13 in the second half. That's That was a tough loss. And I hate to say it, that goes to coaching a little bit. It, it, Absolutely. you got to be able to secure the win after you're up by 13. And I, I know it was early in the second half, and, and things kind of transpired from there. But you got to close those games out. And I think you got the best player on the floor in Blossom game. Um, that's it, It's inexcusable. So, you know, aside from him, we talked about him and Roper. Uh, kind of, I think the biggest disappointment for me – uh, throughout the entire season has been Landry Noko. Um, he has such a high upside, but he's never, he, he just hasn't, he's failed to actually reach his ability. Uh, and the main reason for that is he just can't stay on the court. He is constantly in foul trouble. He's averaging right around 20 minutes a game. And at this point in the season, I'm on, almost ready just to sit him and have City Jate start knowing that at least Jate is coming back next year. And we need to polish his game a little bit more. We've seen some progress from him this year obviously he still has a lot of foul trouble um maybe getting him even starting uh, like brownell started him earlier this year and then getting legend roberton some more minutes just because if noko's if we can't if we can't trust noko to actually be able to stay in the game be on the court then we've, we've got to develop some other guys i totally agree it makes a lot more sense to put that time and investment into the younger guys and just the thought you talking about noko being in foul trouble from watching a lot of college basketball the last few weeks you know there's been a new initiatives with referees and the officiating to um you know off the ball uh, just kind of call a tighter whistle to get the physicality out especially away from the ball um but it there's been a lot of inconsistency from game to game from team to team and it's made the game really tough to watch i mean it was supposed to improve the style of play make it more free-flowing the way basketball should be played and i i think it's a good thing it was a good initiative that, that had good intent but it, it so far the referees have it's been very poor in my opinion. Yeah, there has been a lot of bad refereeing in college basketball this year, um, and I think it does have a lot to do with the rules changes. I mean, it takes them a while. I mean, even the referees are going to have to get used to that. Um, but I will say this: scoring is up, and that is more entertaining. I mean, even Clemson, I mean, we're scoring. You know, we're losing games when we're scoring seventy. And when has that ever happened before? And that's part of the difference on this team is we used to like if we scored seventy, we would win because our defense was so suffocating. It's not the same this year. I think part of that is we do miss a little bit of Rod Hall's defense and some other guys. Um, but that also has to do with the pace of play. I mean, the rules have changed things, and we are seeing that um, we are seeing uh, the results of of those changes being put in place, and that result is higher scoring. Um, so, you know, a couple more things I think that's we're a little bit concerned about. Uh, Dante Grantham still has no inside presence. I, I still think he's going to be a good basketball player, but I haven't seen the progression that I've wanted to see out of him this year. His three-point shooting percentage has improved. He's at about 36%, but he, he's not getting inside. And he just doesn't have the confidence, especially late in the game. You see that lack of confidence. Again, I will. It, it reminds me of Milton Jennings. I know a lot of people will probably disagree with me here, and I think Grantham is still going to be better. But listen, he is almost two a two full years into this program, of pretty much starting every single game. Like this guy is now experienced. I expect to see a little bit more. I think it's safe to say if you're going in and Grantham is your is your number two guy. Um, you know, obviously Blossom can be a number one. 
I, I don't think you can make the NCAA tournament as 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 it is now. Well, that's the thing. If Blossom he doesn't come back next year, then Grantham is the guy as a junior returning. He's the one that needs to lead this team. I don't think he's ready for that. No, I I think Avery Holmes might be the the go-to guy. It's certainly not. It's not Grantham, and I I think maybe that's just. Maybe if he's your third or fourth best player, that's okay, and he can kind of fall back and you know and, and be more of a, a role player, a complementary player. But making him a star player, at least up to this point in his career, he just it's not it's not him. I think by a senior year he can be that guy, and I think Brunel saw a lot of that in him, and that's why he started him every game. I think as a freshman, he's investing in this guy. He's a lot. He has a lot riding on this guy. And it's, it may be a while for just take him a few years to develop. And I'm a little bit disappointed, again, that we haven't seen more improvement. But I will say this, he has improved a good bit from his freshman year. So you got to give him credit there. Yeah, him, like you said, his shooting percentage has improved. Same with Blossom game. Give him a lot of credit. I think they were both sub-30% three-point shooters last year. So that element has really changed the dynamic of the offense this whole year. So give him credit there. Like you said, taking a step back from on defense, though, which is... It's kind of kind of odd considering uh, Brownell's track record, up, you know, up to this point. Well, and again, you know, Avery Holmes. We talked about losing Rod Hall's defensive abilities. I think Avery Holmes has gotten better on defense. He's had some games where his tough defense really kept us in it and allowed us to win some games. Uh, I still don't think he's shooting great, but he is scoring up now into double digits, ten points a game. Um, so you and know, I question, by the way, coming from San Francisco, lesser caliber, you know, exactly. um, opponents. One, you know, just the you know their ability to defend him, and but also he's having to put a lot more energy into the defensive side of the ball, and I think maybe that's kind of leaked over. So it's been a little bit of a learning curve for yeah. him this year, and, and just getting up to speed in ACC play. Um, I think uh, I'm still positive about him, and I think coming into next year, I think which will be his his last year in the senior season that we can expect to see. He's already scoring 10 points a game. You start getting into that 12 range, uh, 12 to 13 range for him next year, being a leader on the floor, and his defense will continue to improve. I still think um, this was a great move to bring him into the program, and I think it's going to pay dividends. Um, part of the problem is we don't have a lot of depth, right? So outside of these these guys that are starting, and then you obviously have City Jate coming in to spell Landry Noko. When he gets in foul trouble, then Jate gets into foul trouble, and Josh Smith comes in. Um, Gabe DeVoe, he's kind of been our sixth man on the bench this year. Um, why I give him credit for being, he, he's played tough, he plays hard, but his shooting ability, which we thought was going to be one of his best characteristics and contributions to this basketball team, he hasn't shown improvement shooting the ball. So when you have a guy that's your sixth man coming in and you're so inconsistent in Roper and Holmes uh, shooting, you know, Gay DeVoe, who's supposed to be a three-point threat, he's, he's still not really. He's right around 30%, if not less. Yeah, he came in, and in high school he was a prolific scorer. And you thought, at the very least, he could knock some threes um, if he's, if he's you know, spotting, shooting the ball. But it hasn't been the case. But, I, yeah, I'll give it to him. He, he is putting in the effort. I, I could see it on defense. Um, but that's something maybe, you know, maybe he can turn the corner. I don't know if some of the guys that have transferred in um, from other schools. We, we do have a – we'll have an infusion of – a couple of, I guess, will be sophomores, redshirt sophomores next year. I think three transfers make it onto the court next year. Yeah. That is going to be big for Brunel. We'll talk about this here in a second. Um, but that is going to add some depth to this team that we definitely don't have this year. Um, but these so, guys are more like slashers, I believe. I know like, uh, there's Mitchell from Vanderbilt who will, you know, nice element with his slashing and driving ability. But you need someone to pass it to once you do get penetration into the lane. Well, and then, then Reed's. The, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, then we have the big guy from Texas A&M coming in too. I think he's a, a legitimate seven footer. I think he was a five star uh, recruit uh, from ESPN at least. Yeah. I think so. There's been some questions about his uh, conditioning and work ethic, but again, we're talking about we're losing Noko. Can we trust Jate to actually be a starter? Um, this guy should come in and really help. Um, Again, overall, this team is scoring more, which has been great, but the defense hasn't been as good, so we start to see a you know the balance there. Uh, the free throw shooting, to me, at least in the clutch situations, has gotten worse. Part of that uh, stretch where we won five in a row and beat three ranked teams in a row, free throw shooting had been clutch. That's been slipping a little bit as we've reached the end of the season. I wonder if some of that has uh, been fatigue, uh, playing more on the road, uh, but that is something that has led to this, uh, this slide that we see uh, seen over the last six games where we've gone two, two and four. Uh, so let's talk about the season here. 
you know, we went in uh, the last time we talked, we thought that one, maybe two losses for the rest of the ACC schedule, and we could still make our way into the uh, NCAA tournament. Now what are we looking at? We have two games left um, against Virginia and then at Boston College, and we're 16-12. and 12. Does, does winning two games, one of those being against Virginia, putting us at 18-12, and 12, does that get us in? I don't think so. I mean, 11 and 7 in the ACC looks good, but you take into consideration our out-of-conference schedule, we have to at least win one game of the ACC tournament. Yeah, at least. If not, run the gamut and win it all. Um, you know, yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case. Listen, we do have wins at Syracuse uh, versus Duke, Louisville, Miami, Pitt, and if we win against Virginia, we have that on our resume. So, again, the NCAA tournament tends to look how you finish out a season and take that into consideration as part of their criteria when they're selecting teams. Um, but listen, I, th- I think we could still, like, as crazy as it sounds, we could still get first or second round buys in the ACC tournament. Uh, we're tied for seventh, as I mentioned, but we have the tiebreaker with Syracuse, Pitt, and Duke, all of whom I think we have the the same record right now. I thought maybe Duke has one more win, um, and then Notre Dame, um, they did beat us, but they're at Miami and versus NC State, and if they lose both of those, and everything kind of starts to to shake out with Louisville being out of postseason play this year, somehow this Clemson team could figure their way into uh, the first and second round buys if they just went out and some other things fall into place. Yeah, I mean, that's like a best-case scenario. And I think one thing that's a huge, we say, sticking point with the, the selection committee is going to be those the lack of good road wins. Um, and that's that's a big thing that they look at. And you're really, they're really going to have to make some noise in the tournament, the ACC tournament, in order to make it to I March. think so, too. I think even winning the last two, no matter how else the, the ACC shakes out leading up into the tournament, I still think that one game in the ACC tournament, one win, is um, ne- absolutely necessary to get us into the, to the NCAA tournament. That would put us at 19-12, and 11-7 uh, in the ACC regular season. And, you know, I, I think that is respectable. I think it's legitimate. I think we can get in, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't. Yeah, and looking at if we don't, I mean, I, I know we don't think Brownell will be fired, right? I mean, I think... Cantor came on a couple months ago and said he's not getting fired. The buyout's too high. He's at least going to get one more year. But, I mean, what, what do you make of his body of work? Uh, what is it, five years into his? Listen, I, I, I still think that there's a, a chance that he does get fired after this season. And I, I think it's very unlikely. I don't want it to happen. But this is how it would play out. I think we would have to lose out, lose our last two games uh, against uh, Virginia and then at Boston College, who does not have an ACC win this year and then we would get into the NIT um, meaning that we don't win a game in the ACC tournament get into the NIT and if we have a poor showing in the NIT don't do well and we end the season on just such a negative note I think there's a legitimate uh, argument to be made about why he shouldn't return next year not saying it's going to happen especially if Lawson game leaves because then we then we're thrown back to the 2000 you know 15 season last year right right um so then you look, we got all these transfers coming in. They're not going to transfer again if you bring in a new coach. We're starting uh, over fresh with them, a renovated little John Coliseum. That could be the perfect storm for a new guy to come in and take over. Well, money talks. Uh, we're, you know, there was an article, another article in Tiger Illustrated about the state of our program from financially. And I think, I can't remember Brownell's buyout, but it's multi-millions. And no way, like we could, we could lose every game from here on out. And Brownell will most likely not be... Fired. So, but whether he should should or not be fired, we can definitely make that argument that there's a case for him, you know, not being the right fit moving forward. Like you said, all the all the the right things going on with the new new stadium. And look at it like this. This is me being critical. That's what I'm best at, right? Um, you take Boston game away from this team, and this is the worst team in the ACC, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You, and you take uh, McDaniel's away, away from, from that team. <laughs> So he's really like his two high points of, of us being middle tier ACC teams, um, maybe I guess on maybe the top third when McDaniels was in, much of it had to do with, you know, the greatness of two players. And I just don't, and, and like all that aside, I don't think there's, this is a sustainable model but um, to be a competitive, and, like to be even the, the top half of the ACC. I don't think this is the, the right recipe. And, and I think he recognizes that and that's why he's bringing in all these transfers. And I think that's the strongest argument is Next year is his year. He's, he's got Little John back, um, and he's got these transfers who we expect a lot of stuff out of next year. 
um, bring Blossom game back, uh, along with the progression of these younger guys, Grantham and then Avery Holmes, a year under his belt in the ACC. And I, I think we stand to be a lot better team next year. So I think he deserves that extra year again. The only reason I can see it happen is if we really tank here to finish off the season. Uh, that being said, so funny to be in this situation because I can see a situation where it, if everything plays out right that he gets fired. I can also see a situation where we still make it into the NCAA tournament without winning the ACC tournament. So uh, it's been a crazy year in basketball. I will say at this point it will be a disappointment if we don't make it into the tournament, even though we were sitting so we weren't sitting very pretty after our uh, out of conference schedule. Uh, but because of that five game streak and who we beat and how we played, I think that brought uh, the expectations uh, for Clemson basketball back up, and it will be a huge disappointment if we don't make it. We'll see how it turns out. Um, again, got Virginia on Tuesday. That game will be huge. Uh, everybody, get to the well if you can. The, the team's going to need your support. Um, should be a great atmosphere there. So now switching over for basketball, let's talk about Clemson baseball. The Monty Lee era has begun. Super excited about that. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm behind this program. We're reading that ticket sales, season ticket sales are the highest they've been, I think, in the past five years. Uh, the team dropped their first game to Maine, but since then they've gone undefeated. Uh, winning the last two against Maine, they just swept a series against James Madison in convincing fashion. This team is hitting well. It's pitching well so far. Um, the team batting average right now is 322 with an ERA of 217. And I know we're not playing the greatest of opponents yet, but still, uh, we knew this team coming in was going to hit well. We expect them to hit well. The pitching, it's going to be shaky. We don't have a lot of depth here, but what I've seen so far this year, really excited. Yeah, it, you can del you can definitely tell. There's a, a vibe about the team. It seems like uh, you know part of the criticism of Leggett was his um, you know play the old-fashioned way, the bunt the guy over, um, you know, kind of the, the doing the things like that, the old-fashioned way. But Monty the, Lee has guys swinging away on three and zero. Right, and I think it's it's not so much just the 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 scheme or the, the mindset behind it, but it's just the the, the kind of the, the culture that he's he's created. It's it's new, it's exciting. Players, I think, enjoy playing for him, which for Leggett, I think that was. Uh, you know, some some did, some didn't, right? And I don't know, just a, a new vibe around Clemson, and yeah, I mean, like my like early returns, the offense looks great. I know yeah, we, I mean, we talk about it. It's changed the culture of the program. Clemson yeah. hasn't hit well in the past several years. We're hitting the long ball. I think we have seven home runs so far after uh, seven or eight after one or two today against uh, James Madison. Uh, but it's not just that. I mean, the, the pitching. I mean, that's gonna be a question mark. But so far, Charlie Barnes and Clay Schmidt look really good. Uh, Jake Higginbotham, he looks good too. I think there's going to be some growing pains uh, with him as the season moves on and we start to play better opponents. But so far, everything's looking good. One of the big problems last year that really killed this team was the errors. Um, so far this year, we're averaging one a game. We have a 973 fielding percentage, which isn't terrible, but I would still like to see improve. Uh, this pitching staff is not going to be dominant. They're going to pitch to contact. So that's where the fielding is really going to need to step in and pick these guys up, especially up the middle. We've seen Weston Wilson move over from uh, to second base from third base. So with him and Eli White should form a good battery uh, or a good core up the middle there. Uh, Renwick takes over at third base. He's had some errors, a couple errors so far this year. Hopefully that's smoothed out. Uh, we've seen Pinder move to center field, which is working out so far. He's hitting better at the plate too. Um, at first base, we're not sure how this is going to shake out. Chris Williams has been getting the majority of time at first, but he's struggling with the bat. So we can start to see Andrew Cox get some more action if that keeps up. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's, it's really been great to see uh, Monty Lee start to think outside of the box and move some guys around and put them in better positions. Um, because once you feel more comfortable in the field, you're also going to feel more comfortable at the plate. And we're seeing that pay out at the plate right now, again, with that 322 team batting average hitting home runs. Uh, so now can the defense and the pitching follow suit? Um, the schedule's about to get a lot tougher. We got Wofford on Tuesday, then a weekend series against South Carolina, and I think everybody is really looking forward to that. What can we do against South Carolina? Um, ACC play then begins after that. So we're really going to – it's going to be a good barometer uh, these, these next couple weeks of how this team is really going to play this year and how well they're going to uh, – how well they are going to fare. So what are our expectations? There are a lot of areas that need an improvement. We talked about it. The, the base running has been bad. We haven't been able to get guys home from third with less than two outs. The, the pitching was shaky, especially during the middle of the week last year. And uh, clutch hitting wasn't there. 
hitting we do think is going to be greatly improved this year. We got more power, more home runs, guys like Reed Rollman coming back, who had a great freshman year last year. Chris Oakey, we know what he can do. Seth Beer, that's a guy that we all have our eye on. He has, has lived up to all expectations and has not uh, failed to impress so far. Right. I'm very excited about Seth Beer. Um, had that opposite field home run today against James Madison. Reminded me a little bit of Chipper Jones, that kind of that inside-out swing that where you have power, uh, which is, yeah, this guy. I mean, you're talking about a guy, I believe he should be a freshman in high school right now. So, um, when Senior you, in high school? Or I'm sorry, a senior in high school, yeah. So uh, you look at him, uh, Reed Rollman, Beer, and, and Oki, or I guess it's uh, Roll, uh, Rollman, Oki and then Beer is your three, four, and five hitters. I mean, that is a, a really nice core with some pop. And that's something, you know, if the long ball can, it, it's, it goes to show, man, that it can really change the game. So uh, how will we do against some of these higher level of competition, better pitching? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't think James Madison and, and Maine are going to bring anything close to what South Carolina will bring or any, any other of the, the premier ACC teams. But um, it's kind of like, like Baylor football, right, where they're blowing some, some cupcakes out at the beginning of the year. It's like, hey, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're blowing them out, and that's what we've done at four, I guess, we're five and one. Five and one. So no, far, exactly. So. Guys like Weston Wilson is batting 500 so far this year. Eli White's at 318. Chase Pinder's uh, batting pretty well at the top of the order. So Three home runs, right? Uh, Pinder, no. Well, he's got a, he's got a few at the, as a leadoff hitter. He so. does have three home runs. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, uh, he's got three. Beer has two, and Oki has a couple. So, yeah, you know, we're really exciting about the, this team being able to hit this year. Really, the question mark is going to be the pitching. And this is not a deep staff. It will be interesting to see who emerges as the weekday starters this year. That was, again, one of the weak points. We lost to a lot of bad teams during the week last year because our starting pitching was so terrible. Um, so outside of the three guys we mentioned earlier, you know, who fills those starter roles? Alex Schnell and Garrett uh, Lavorn are going to... Uh, get some opportunities there. And then coming out of the bullpen, bullpen we're going to see Alex Eubanks. He's pitched a lot so far this year and has done well. And then Pat Crawl, we expect to see. Alex Bostic, he's going to be in the closers role. A lot of Alexes on this team. Um, he had a 5.25 ERA last year, so that's obviously going to have to get a lot better. But I know the coaching staff is really high on him. Um, so now, what's our prediction for this year? Personally, I've heard a lot of people say that they're going to give Monty Lee a pass, that they don't expect us... Uh, to necessarily make the NCAA uh, baseball tournament uh, this year, I beg to differ. I think any short of anything short of making the playoffs and a good showing in a regional will be a disappointment. I don't say I'm not saying we have to to get a regional or anything like that, or even win that first regional. But I still expect this is still Clemson baseball, and we did bring in a pretty damn good coach, Imani Lee, who has a good track record at the College of Charleston, which is a much smaller school, who has been pretty good in college baseball in recent years. So I don't. I expect us to get better. Listen, we were 32 and 27 last year. I think with the rejuvenated spirit and atmosphere around this program, with much better hitting and a pitching staff that's going to develop and get better as the year goes along, I put us in the 34 to 38 win range and expect that we will make the tournament. We'll see. I, I don't feel comfortable making uh, any any big projections, but I tend to disagree with you a little bit on on just what we should expect and what our expectations should be. I think this year, very much, it should be about building excitement within the program, and you know, have the players get back on the same page and you know, become more of a unit, um, togetherness, if you will, um, the chemistry, all those components. But also, you know, bringing in using that to do what Monty Lee does really well, kind of like Dabo. He's he's a good guy. He has really good connections within South Carolina high school coaches. So I want to see him carry this new buzz about the program and have a you know, improve recruiting. Got some really, you know, exciting young players. So I, I, I hope we, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see us, you know, at least go to the regional. But if we don't, I, I think I'm okay with it. Well, again, you talk about that buzz. Winning creates that buzz too. You can't, I mean, you can talk about the buzz all you want, but a lot of losing isn't going to help that cause. Listen, I'm just saying, let's not be eighth, the eighth best team in the state this year. <laughs> That's really all I'm asking who, who, for. <laughs> are there eight other teams? Uh, yeah, I hope we're not the There's best a team. lot of them that we lost to last year, um, uh, in-state teams. Good um, point. I'm saying, you're going to have Coastal Carolina's going to be good, College Charleston's going to be good, and South Carolina's going to be good. We need to be good, as good as them. We don't need to be a second-tier baseball team. Like, Clemson has a story, baseball program. I think we live up uh, to that reputation this year. I'm really confident about Monty Lee, and I think a lot of good things are going to happen. 
Um, okay, so that wraps it up. We hit the three major sports. We talked about football. We talked about basketball. We talked about baseball. A lot of upside to at least the football and baseball programs. We'll see about basketball, see how that plays out here over the next week and then going in, into the tournament. Um, so real quick before we go here, we got some quick takes for you. The first one I got for you, Cody, uh, Robert Kimdiche. Um, we all heard the story about him falling through that hotel window like four stories. Um, he now admits that he was drunk when he did it. Um, obviously a lot of problems there as he goes into the, to the NFL draft. I will bring this question back up. Would you still say now that you would have rather had him than Wayne Gallman? Well, they're not mutually exclusive. I think we're looking at what they brought to the table. Um, but maybe I'm, I'm moving more in the Wayne train direction just because he's going to get at least more one, one more year with the program. And he had a heck of a sophomore year. Um, and Kim Dietschy, I, I said we, it was a position of need there at strong side defensive end. Well, you know what? We have... Who knew Kevin Dodd was going to emerge as one of the best defensive ends in the country? Well, Kevin Dodd had more sacks this season than Kim Dietschy's had his whole career. And he's fallen out one less hotel room window. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's on the checklist, the criteria for the, uh, for the scouts. How many hotel room windows have you fallen out of? So yeah, I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm moving more in the Wayne Train direction. We'll say this, very surprised that not only, you could have told me Lawson will be a better defensive end, and I would say that's debatable when they were seniors in high school. But to say that Kevin Dodd emerges a, a better overall player, I, that's it's pretty surprising. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even coming out of last year, nobody thought that he would turn into what he has. I mean, again, you know, credit to our coaches, credit to him and his work ethic, and really excited about seeing him possibly going in the first round of the NFL draft. Tennessee's been in the news a lot lately. Uh, not only um, has it been reported that Butch Jones allegedly called a a player trader for being chivalrous uh, in a certain uh, instance. Um, he's also offered 20 players from IMG Academy. Cody, what's that about? Well, probably not a bad move. For, IMG Academy is really turning out some good ones, and we're, we're trying to get in the fold down there too, so maybe a good tactic. But, man, that what a sink and ship it seems. You know, Tennessee's obviously trying to save face with everything going on. But, man, the good news is Clemson has really established this brand. I feel like in the past we've lost recruits, even when we were better, a better overall program to Tennessee because of that SEC brand. But I don't think that carries as much weight. And Clemson, the brand has gotten has obviously improved a good, good deal. But there's also a lot of good players, wide receivers mainly, coming from Tennessee in this cycle. Um, not to mention, you know, Hunter John, uh, Johnson, our quarterback from Indiana, who we took, you know, stole away from Tennessee. So what about, could have been a better time for them to be a, you know, quote unquote, sinkable ship. So um, no, nah, that's uh, IMG Academy, though, going back to that, probably a good move for them. Same for uh, Mr. Harbaugh for setting up camp down there. Yeah, I mean, at Tennessee, I, I think they regret more and more as each year passes the firing of Philip Fulmer because they did have a good thing going there. And I guess maybe they thought that they were more prestigious than they actually were. And maybe that was just a lot of SEC, uh, you know, hype. But they haven't done anything since then. And it's it hasn't been a good story around uh, Tennessee football for several reasons um, over the past few years. Um, okay, so speaking of kind of uh, keeping it on the negative, uh, Grayson Allen, Duke guy, keeps tripping people. Cody, what's, what's your boy doing there? The ESPN serves this up like he's just the worst person in the world. Like there's been so many worse things that basketball players have done both on the court and off the court. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a little prick move to uh, stick your leg out like that. But come on. Like I've seen guys like punching guys and throwing elbows down and, uh, you know, when they're, when they're scrambling there on the floor. You know, he's tripping guys up. The but guy, and, and, and at least you're scrambling on the floor. I mean, he just blatantly tripped that guy who was running running down the court. I mean, yeah, but, and the ACC issues him a letter of reprimand. John Swafford doesn't even have a backbone to stand up to Coach K and suspend this guy. This is the second time he's tripped somebody. What would you do? We just suspend him. Suspend for, him for one or two games. Right. A letter of reprimand. What the hell does that do? I don't know, man. He's tripping. I mean, these guys are pushing him all game. And I'm not saying it's justified to, to fire back, but, man, he stuck his leg out and tripped the guy. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's great, but it's it's mostly harmless, at least compared to the way that it's being served to us. Like, the big bad Duke player is is uh, bullying people or something. Well, we always need somebody to hate a Duke, and I will say this, Clemson is 1-0 against Duke this year in basketball. Okay, so before we wrap up, um, a little bit of what we learned from uh, Tiger Ned and their message boards this week. Um Monty Lee should have been fired after the first uh, game of the season. Um, 
glad the D-Rad didn't listen to them and kept them on for this next five wins. Uh, Brad Brunel should be fired after every loss, apparently, but then given tenure every time they win. Fickle bunch over there, Tiger Net. Um, they still think that we have a shot at Greg Marshall, uh, the, the former coach of Winthrop and now at Wichita State. Um, and, and this isn't from the boards, but from Tiger Net itself. Um, former walk-on defensive end Matthew Knowles has become a Chinese movie star. Cody, what do you remember? What's your fondest memory of Matthew Knowles? Uh, the time that he became a Chinese movie star. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll end it on that. Congratulations, Matthew. We look forward to seeing you in uh, you know, somewhere. Subtitles. Um, reading subtitles. Um, so that's all we've got today for you guys. Um, we'll continue to follow basketball. We'll check back in. Um, either before the ACC tournament or after to, to, to see where Clemson's going in postseason play in basketball. Obviously, continue to, to follow football, getting into spring practice. And again, a lot of hype around this baseball team. It will be exciting to see how they fare against South Carolina and as we get into ACC play. Um, so again, thanks guys for checking in and tuning in, listening to the podcast. And as always, go Tigers.